You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plants, it's time to Hemp Resent. Our radio resident Hempo Sapien Vivian McPeak will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to Hemp Resent about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak. Welcome to the Hemp Present Resistance, the weekly radio podcast where you can get your PhD in THC because you don't just want to burn it, you want to learn it. Seeking to defeat the alternative facts of prohibition one interview at a time and advocating for the plant, the whole plant, and nothing but the plant. Join me for a weekly reefer radio rebellion against prohibition as I speak with some of the principal risk takers, movers and shakers, and history makers of the global cannabis industry, culture, and reform movement. I'm your host, Vivian McPeak. I'm the executive director of the world's largest annual cannabis policy reform event, the Seattle Hemp Fest, entering its 27th year and founded hempfest.org. I'm also the author of the book, Protestable, a 20-year retrospective of Seattle Hemp Fest from AHA Publishing, also found at hempfest.org. Transmitting from a fortified bunker under a ramshackle reefer radio warren at an undisclosed location deep within the rumbling bowels of underground Seattle. My goal is to spread the green flame of 420 truth in 30-minute increments. Today's guest on Hempresent is Alex Friedman of Prison Legal News. The American Civil Liberties Union reports that over half of all drug-related arrests in the United States are for cannabis, amounting to over 8.2 million arrests between the years of 2001 and 2010. 88% of those arrests were for simple possession. What is alarming is the reality that people of color, and specifically black Americans, are nearly four times more likely to be arrested for cannabis than white Americans, but the usage rates are similar. Once anyone is swept up into the criminal justice system, where the emphasis is too often on the system rather than the justice, they can expect to be pawns in a game where, and especially if they do not have the best legal representation 
representation possible. They may be severely stereotyped, exploited, and victimized. Many, many cases result in a plea bargain as prosecutors play a scheme of charging people with extreme crimes in an effort to get them to either turn others in, sometimes their own family members, or plead guilty to a lesser crime out of the sheer terror that they might be convicted of a crime that they're not guilty of and receive the harshest possible sentence. Often low-level participants in cannabis sales or production are charged with federal conspiracy and end up taking the fall for the actual high-level dealers and kingpins of organized smuggling or production operations. Right now, today, there are dozens of Americans serving life sentences for mere cannabis offenses. When folks arrive in a state or federal prison for any drug crime, they enter into a world where the societal rules that govern the lives of ordinary people are replaced by a brutal, austere environment, often of danger and subjugation. They may experience prison rape, extortion, live in inhumane conditions, or receive insufficient medical treatment. Prisons have become a racket, and some have been privatized, further lessening oversight. And in some ways, prisoners and their family members can be economically exploited as well. We will touch on that today, as it is critical that awareness of these issues gets a focus in our society. It's essential that a voice is given to those who are subject to these conditions. And my guest today is involved in just that mission. Alex Friedman is the Associate Director of the Human Rights Defense Center and Managing Editor of Prison Legal News, which is a project of the nonprofit Human Rights Defense Center. A 72-page monthly magazine that reports on criminal justice issues and prison and jail-related civil litigation. Prison Legal News focuses broadly on prisoners' rights. PLN, as it is called, has published continuously since 1990, covers a wide range of topics that includes prison labor, rape and sexual abuse, misconduct by prison and jail staff, prisoners' constitutional rights, racial and socioeconomic disparities in our criminal justice system, medical and mental health care for prisoners, disenfranchisement, rehabilitation and recidivism, and so much more. And I have Alex Friedman here to tell us about it. Welcome, Alex, to Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio. Thank you very much for that introduction, and I'm glad to be on the show. My pleasure. Uh, we, we have so little time for such a complicated subject, but before we get into prison, prison legal news and other projects you work on, I, I believe you come to this issue with some personal experience as you serve time in prison yourself. I assume that experience is partially why you decided to get involved in the issue of prisoner justice? Yeah, that is entirely correct. In my experience, people really don't get involved in an issue and advocate for change unless it has affected them personally or affected somebody that they love or care about. So in my case, it was the 10 years that I served in prisons and jails in the state of Tennessee in the late 1980s and throughout the 1990s. I was released in 1999. Is Prison Legal News an online magazine or does it go into print form, I assume, and, 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 and is it allowed in prisons? And who writes the pieces and supplies the content? Well, all good questions. So Prison Legal News uh, began as a print publication and still primarily is a print publication. We're pretty old school. We print on newsprint, like you mentioned, a 72-page monthly publication that reports on various aspects of the criminal justice system. Uh, we also do have all of our issues posted for the past 27 years online. Uh, so people can go to our website at uh, www.prisonlegalnews.org and access all back issues as well as uh, our most recent issue, which is posted. And our primary target audience is prisoners. PLN exists to inform people who are locked up uh, about their relatively few remaining constitutional rights, how to vindicate those rights, and inform them about news um, and other 
things that are happening that are criminal justice related. So anybody can read PLN uh, by going to your website. You have a, an impressively large staff. How is the project funded? Well, we are kind of unique. We're a 501c3 nonprofit, but we get virtually no foundation funding. So um, we rely on individual donations. We rely on income from our publication, Prison Legal News. We're a subscription publication. Uh, advertising income, book sales, and we also have a fairly robust litigation project that files suit against prison and jail officials nationwide, uh, largely on First Amendment censorship violations as well as public records laws and some third-party cases uh, such as wrongful death cases involving prisoners in prisons or jails. So people listening to this podcast, for example, can go to your website, I presume, and, and just make a donation right there? Absolutely. Uh, we certainly would welcome uh, all donations help. We're a pretty lean organization. We have around 15 employees, and we staff three offices um, in Florida, South Florida, Nashville, Tennessee, and Seattle, Washington. We also have a, a one-person presence in Washington, D.C., I think you said you're a 501c3 nonprofit, so that means that tax that that deduct that donations contributions are tax deductible. Is that right? As they say, they're deductible to the extent the IRS will let you deduct them from your taxes. <laughs> well said. Is it true that the vast majority of Americans really don't have a a, a grasp, uh, an understanding of what prison conditions are like for most inmates? So in large part, uh, people really don't know what it's like to be incarcerated, but for at least 2.3 million people, which is the current uh, prison and jail population in the United States at any given time, they do have a pretty good idea. And it's not just state prisons and federal prisons and county jails, because we lock up people in a lot of other different ways in this country. So there's immigration detention facilities, there are juvenile facilities, city jails, tribal jails, regional jails, police lockups. Um, civil commitment centers, military prisons and brigs. Uh, so a lot of different ways people are incarcerated. And that doesn't include the roughly five or six million people who are also on parole and probation at any given time in the U.S. But for everybody else, pretty much all they know about prisons and being locked up comes from TV shows like Oz or Orange is the New Black or movies that are pretty sensationalistic. So it's, it's a pretty difficult way for people to, to get an idea of what it's like, because prison walls don't just keep prisoners from getting out, they keep the public from looking in. So it's hard for people to know what really happens in prisons and jails. There's a lot of uh, supposed reality television right now on, on uh, various channels, a few specifically that, that show prisoners. Uh, do you think those are fair characterizations? Are those prisoners being exploited to some degree? What do you think about those shows? I try not to watch reality shows because I'm busy enough dealing with the reality in the world and not on television or YouTube right. or what have you. Um, but I would say that the vast majority that I'm aware of um, have little relationship to the reality of prison life because prisons and jails basically are fairly boring. Um, you know, certainly there's things that happen all the time, but when you're serving a 5, 10, 20 life sentence, the vast majority of your time is spent, you know, sitting in cells, staring at the wall. That doesn't make for good entertainment. And above all, you know, the media, television, videos, and so on is about entertainment. People want to be entertained. Um, they're going to so look for sensationalized events, right? They're going to sensationalize things. 
Correct. And also keep in mind that the media is by and far large a business. So they're in the business of making money. So they have to show and report on things that interest people and get them to click on links and attract advertisers and get higher ratings and so on. You know, the news media is a business. So not everything that the people are seeing really reflects the reality of what happens behind bars. We've got about two minutes to the first break. There's a lot of ways that prisoners can be exploited by the system, such as prison labor, which might be uncompensated or inadequately compensated. Can you briefly touch on that? So prison labor is an issue that could probably take up an entire show by itself. Uh, It's something that we've covered for many, many years. We call it prison slave labor because in no other context could somebody work for wages uh, as low as, you know, 15 or 20 cents an hour, and people not really consider that to be a form of slavery. It's certainly not voluntary. You know, prisoners, uh, by and large, uh, are forced to work. They're subject to discipline, longer, um, <clears throat> more time in prison, or placement in segregation, solitary if they don't work, uh, for menial wages, or in a couple states, no wages at all. So this, this issue is getting more attention after the movie The 13th was released, uh, which is related to the 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which pretty explicitly says um, that slavery is abolished except for people who have been convicted of crimes and they are subject to slavery and voluntary servitude. I mean, I don't make it up. That's what the Constitution says in the, in the Bill of Rights and the 13th Amendment and so on. So this issue is getting a little more traction lately, but nothing really has changed. You know, prisoners labor are exploited. Um, they're also exploited financially and so are their families. My guest is Alice Friedman from Prison Legal News, among other projects. We're going to take our first pause for the cause because there's flaws and laws. Hear word from our sponsors, Advertise, and come back with the rest of our show. Time to roll out for the people that let us have present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Introducing 420 Cloud, ignited by MSIG, one of the fastest-growing social apps around. The only app you'll need for all things cannabis. Find the latest cannabis news, videos, and stories, ranging from business and tech to sports and medicine. Start your career in cannabis by seeking, identifying, and applying for jobs through our expansive listings. For businesses, 420cloud.com features a full-scale cross-channel network, monetizing high traffic for big data conversion and analytics. Download 420 Cloud now from the iTunes Store or Google Play. MSIG.com is a publicly listed company on the OTC, symbol MCIG. At Alternative Vibes, our core values of quality, loyalty, respect, and honesty guides us in our mission to help families find peace and harmony through our products and services. Whether you are looking for a more natural way of living, shopping essential oils, topicals, and edibles, or searching for a path towards achieving your goals, we are your choice. Learn more about our complete line of natural products and solutions at AlternativeVibes.com. Bringing quality of living to life. AlternativeVibes.com. Cannabis concentrates have been around for hundreds of centuries. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. 
We're back on Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio with Alex Friedman, who's doing great work with Prison Legal News. Uh, there's been a move in recent years, uh, Alex, to privatize the prison industry. Uh, what's wrong with that approach? Oh, there's a lot of things wrong with that approach. And, you know, for full disclosure, of the 10 years I served behind bars, six were in a privately operated prison run by Corrections Corporation of America, which is now called CoreCivic, uh, and is based in Nashville, Tennessee, where I reside. So the, the main problem with privatizing portions of our criminal justice system is that it warps the incentives around why that system exists. So in public prisons that are run by public officials for the public good and to ensure public safety, um, there's no profit motivation, right? There's no need to generate money from the system. Now, the system might not work great. I know we're the first to say that we might not like private prisons. That does not mean that public prisons are, you know, rosy and there's no problems there. But the difference to the private prison industry is that they do operate prisons for profit. Profit comes first. As any private corporation, that's the reason they exist, to generate money. So safety of the prisoners or the employees, public safety, providing adequate medical care to prisoners, uh, trying to reduce recidivism rates, uh, to reduce crime and victimization after prisoners get out, all that is secondary. Profit comes first. And that is the main problem with running a privatized for-profit prison system. Staying in contact with family members and loved ones is very important to those who are incarcerated. Uh, but there are a lot of issues surrounding phone costs and phone privileges. Am I correct? So that is an issue that we have been working on for quite some time. In 2011, we co-founded a national campaign for prison phone justice at prisonphonejustice.org, uh, which targeted primarily the FCC uh, to try to enact regulations that would reduce the cost of uh, phone calls made by prisoners. And to give some context to this, um, making calls from prisons or jails are the most expensive type of call pretty much anywhere. Uh, it costs less to call Outer Mongolia on your cell phone than it would cost to accept a phone call from somebody in a prison or jail in your own state. So prisoners' families are the ones who are typically, in fact, almost exclusively paying for these phone calls, which cost up to a dollar a minute. So around $17.30 for a 15-minute call is pretty standard. Uh, before we began advocating on this issue. And the FCC did enact some reforms for uh, long-distance or interstate phone calls and enacted other inform reforms for in-state phone calls, but those reforms are now um, pretty much completely off the table um, after they were killed off by an um, appellate court ruling in Washington, D.C., and the FCC's refusal to defend its own order under the new administration after Trump came into office. Sp speaking of that, you know, we have a president and an attorney general who postured themselves as tough on crime, maybe ex extremely so. In your opinion, what does the Trump administration mean for prison justice issues? Are we about to step back in time and lose perhaps some pre precious momentum for needed reforms in our criminal justice system, uh, justice system, in your opinion? Well, in my opinion, in my opinion, might be somewhat jaded because you know, we've been working on this issue for 27 years. There's not a whole lot of momentum to lose. Um, pretty much all administrations are pretty bad when it comes to criminal justice reform. Probably the very worst one was the Bill Clinton administration that enacted all kinds of uh, federal laws that were pretty detrimental to prisoners. You know, things weren't that much better the, under the Obama administration. Uh, we didn't really see any criminal justice reform. Reform efforts got side-railed. So whether it's a Democrat or Republican office, you know, being tough on crime is a bipartisan issue. 
And very few people are being smart on crime or actually trying to reduce crime. It's simply to uh, be more draconian in sentences, um, make prison conditions worse, to lock more people up for longer periods of time. This is the same refrain that we've seen for the past 40 years, which is why we have the largest prison population in the world, both in terms of numbers and per capita. So I don't, I don't see a whole lot changing under the Trump administration. Why should the average citizen care about the environment and treatment of people who've been prosecuted and incarcerated? Well, first and foremost is because they're still people. Um, people need to realize that not everybody locked up is you know, a murderer, rapist, or um, child molester, and so on. The vast majority of people locked up are in for nonviolent crimes, either drug-related or property-related, such as theft. And also 95% of everybody who's locked up is going to get out one day. They're going to be your neighbors. They're going to be working in your communities, living there, raising their children there, and so on. So the question is, what kind of people do we want coming out of prison? Do we want worse criminals, more hardened criminals that have you know, learned to do even more terrible things when they get out? Or do we want to invest in rehabilitation, education, help them when they get out, find jobs and housing to make sure that they don't go back in by committing more crimes? So it really depends on what the goal of the system is. A lot of people say that our criminal justice system is horribly broken. And I think that really depends. If the goal of the system is to basically control primarily poor people and minorities and ensure that once they get out that they're pretty much socially crippled and they have to come back in because they have no other options and that people are making a lot of money off this system as it currently exists, then the system works just fine. If the goal of the system is to rehabilitate people, to reduce crime and victimization, to treat people humanely while they're locked up, then the system is a dismal failure. So take your pick. In the, in the country of Finland, prisoners are treated very differently. They have keys to their own rooms. They have their own kitchens. They're treated with dignity and respect to increase rehabilitation, not necessarily to punish them. Do you think that Finland is going in the right direction that we should think about? Well, it is a pretty radical uh, departure from how we address crime and punishment in the United States. I mean, most people don't feel that people are being punished for their offenses unless they're you know, locked up in a cell and being beaten on a regular basis. Um, the Scandinavian countries have taken a vastly different approach, and I think really you just need to look at the results. So in the United States, we have a recidivism rate of around 70% after five years after people get out of prison. Uh, and it, it depends on how you define recidivism. There's a few different definitions, and that is the broadest definition, which is rearrest. But that means that if you had a company to produce cars, and within five years after you bought your car, 70% of them had to go back to the factory because they weren't working properly. That company would go out of business. Nobody would buy their cars. But for decades, that's how our criminal justice system is operated, and people apparently think that's just fine. Scandinavia, um, last time I checked, those nations had a recidivism rate of around 20-25%. So whatever we've been doing for decades is apparently not getting the results that other countries are getting by dealing with prison, dealing with crime and punishment, in a different way, and treating prisoners as people and not as basically slaves to exploit them for their money and for their labor. We've got a little bit less than one minute uh, for the next break, but do you think it's accurate to say that there are a lot of good people who end up being criminalized by the, you know, they may have broken some law, but being criminalized by the environment of being lumped in with dangerous, violent, actual career criminals in prisons, is there an, an effect of, of maybe making people more hardened criminals in some way? quickly? Yeah, that, you know, that is kind of a trope when it comes to prisons and jails. And to some extent, it's true. 
For the vast majority of prisoners, though, they simply want to do their time and get back to their families. I mean, that's pretty much it. Um, there are security classifications that, at least in theory, segregate the most dangerous prisoners from those that might be their victims. Um, you know, prison is a microcosm of our society. It is taking people out of our society, both good and bad, and putting them in an environment in close proximity. And, you know, generally things are very difficult and don't typically work out very well when you do something like that. But, you know, our, our justice system is really designed as a blunt instrument. It is not dealing with crime and punishment with surgical precision. When all you've got is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And right now we have a lot of nails in our justice system. I'm speaking with Alex Friedman from Prison Legal News. We're going to take our next break and come back with our final questions. Don't go anywhere. Time to roll out for the people that let us have present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the hosts of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. We're back to Hemp Present, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. We're back on Cannabis Radio with our final questions for Alex Friedman. Uh, Alex, what is the Prison Ecology Project? I'm glad you asked. So the PEP, as we like to call it, is uh, our, one of our latest projects. And it looks at the intersection between uh, environmental justice and criminal justice. So this is the impact of prisons on the environment and the impact of the environment on prisoners and people who work in prisons. And to kind of give an example of, of a few of how that, how that actually looks, a lot of prisons are built on landfills, on former coal mining sites, uh, near Superfund sites. In fact, a surprising number nationwide. They're susceptible to flooding, such as in Louisiana and Florida. They have contaminated water supplies, such as in Texas, uh, where arsenic permeates uh, the water supply for key facilities. And they're also susceptible to um, environmental-borne diseases. In California, a couple of prisons are located uh, in areas where valley fever is very prevalent, and a lot of prisoners get sick through it. So these are some of the ways that the environment can affect prisoners. 
And prisons affect environment through things like uh, particularly sewage and wastewater spills. Um, you know, prisons are like small cities. They have their own uh, sewage system. And with unfortunate and regular frequency, they tend to pollute waterways with uh, sewage spills and other things, um, diesel, fuel, and uh, other byproducts of running a prison get released into the environment. So new project, and it's uh, taking kind of a, an interesting look at uh, how we can get the in, in people who have environmental concerns interested in criminal justice concerns. Alex Friedman of PrisonLegalNews.org, PrisonPhoneJustice.org, PrisonEcology.org, StopPrisonProfiteering.org, and PrivatePrisonNews.org. Thanks for your sacred, essential work, and thank you for being on Hempresent. Well, thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. My pleasure. Now I want to get to a weekly feature of Hempresent on CanvasRadio.com, and that's the quote of the week, and here it is. It is sad that no one truly knows a nation until one has been inside its jails. A nation should not be judged by how it treats its highest citizens, but its lowest ones, and that's Nelson Mandela. That concludes this installment of Hempresent on Cannabis Radio. I want to thank Brasco, my man in the control room, all the Cannabis Radio sponsors and advertisers. Join me next week for some more reefer repartee and cannabis confabulation with some special hempo sapien on a journey to justice as we silence the violence, increase the peace, and promote unity in the cannabis community with impunity. Because when it comes to prohibition, you've got the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice, so find yours and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. Until then, my friends, stay strong, stand tall, and take it easy. Don't forget to email me at hempresent at gmail.com. The Hempresent theme song, Take Back the Plant, is performed by Stickerbush and sung by a much younger version of myself. Turn up the music, maestro, because I'm out. Marijuana! The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.